Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. In this episode, we discuss the idea of society's emotional plague as outlined in Wilhelm Reich's book, The Mass Psychology of Fascism. We also dive into the idea of living one's life artistically and the possibility of falling through the cracks of society, personality types and the various forms of intrinsic motivation, and we discuss the ways in which we effectively apply self-help. In the episode, we also talked about some research done by Jonathan Haidt and the positive benefits of outlining one's story on one's physical health. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. <sighs> now, isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey, fellow GNTers, those of us like our spirituality with a twist, we are back talking about our relationship series, um, a real deep and meaningful one for Daniel and I both, and hopefully for everybody else listening. We've been talking about uh, serial monogamy, which gave us a chance to talk about Wilhelm Reich and vice versa. So we're into this Wilhelm Reich conversation, and it came up at the end, we got to do our case studies, <laughs> and then a little bit of self-help, but um you know for all of us to think about you know how we handle these situations in our lives but at the end of the last episode we kind of got into this idea of what's called the emotional plague which was reich's idea about how and i find it really interesting daniel he basically is saying okay there are things that are going to be toxic within the society and they act kind of like a plague like you know the culture and the society things that are toxic are actually carried by the people mm -hmm. themselves right we carry them right and then we pass them around to one another you know parents give them to their kids the kids give it to other, each other the adults give it to other adults and next thing you know you have this kind of plague of like potentially toxic destructive things sounds like so that's his idea yeah yeah it's kind of like uh you know someone in the in the in the community gets chlamydia and you have a real huge problem <laughs> yeah well you know it everybody's itchy and scratchy <laughs> itchy and scratchy show <laughs> yeah so yeah the whole thing is kind of like that and um so it's an interesting way to put it you know and to me especially the people we're gonna be we're talking about are some of the controversial people like we talked about freud lots not to like about him but he says other things that are really interesting and helpful mm -hmm. if you acknowledge it like we said even robert thurman is kind of like yeah he's a genius in ways right so okay so we try to extract the part that's of value, but he's controversial dude. Reich is obviously controversial, dies in prison in the United States for all of his efforts. We were talking, you know, pre-podcast about people that we admire in different ways. And I definitely admire his free thinking and tenacity. Mm. He's a tenacious person. He kept pursuing what seemed true to him, even against obstacles and hostility and like ultimately like, you know, like severe personal risk. He kept doing it. 
And then a lot of his ideas are the things that like got through eventually and probably, you know, did make things better for a lot of people. Like let's get rid of the premarital sex bans and let's like let people get out of relationships that suck mm. marriages that are bad and so on. This is what he was pushing for. So he succeeded in the end. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, you know, we were just talking about people that we admire in different ways, you know, and you can kind of look at people and learn. We we're kind of saying it's like a Bodhisattva thing, you know, Bodhisattvas are here to like inspire other, each other to enlightenment. Right. And maybe we can all take a little bit of the Bodhisattva mission for ourselves and try to inspire one another. And you look at someone like Reich and I was like, yeah, he's inspiring to me in this way. He was intellectually honest. He kept pursuing what he thought was true. And he did it against like massive threat and adversity. I, I respect it. I know. Does that make sense to you, Daniel? What I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. I, I, I think the interesting part about, you know, the idea of the emotional plague is maybe one of, of personal realization, though, when we talked about it last week, and we talked about this before the show, it's sometimes you have to hear things multiple times for them yeah. to settle in. And even then, after you start hearing them, even after you are familiar with them, it settles in in a different way. And it gets start deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and I think that like, the, the idea of emotional plague and that like we we are the culture we carry it around yeah is such to me such a deep one because i think we all we at least us myself we talk about the culture a lot here i mean everybody talks about what it doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you're on everybody's railing against the culture well who's uh -huh. the culture it's the culture wars right we're it's the we culture. the united states right yeah yeah i mean we're the culture we yeah. carry we carry all the ideas around, even the ones we don't like. They're still within us. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We maybe don't we don't give them the airtime because we don't believe in them, but they reside within us. So it's kind of like this invisible cloud of stuff that we're all sort of collectively holding together. And I don't know. I hope at least by what we're doing, we're you know highlighting the other aspects of the cloud that maybe people don't always get a chance to be a part of. You know, what's cool about it for me was he came to it through clinical work. Mm. He was like, oh, individuals are carrying this in their ideas, thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and even in their physical body. Mm -hmm. And then when he got to the point of talking about energy, even in the energy flows within that system, right? Mm -hmm. So that was like, okay, he didn't come to it through even like an anthropological route, which still, which would have been cool. Sure. We're going to talk about like Carl Jung next time for our thing. And we're going to talk about like more like polyamory and um, Jung kind of came at, came to things anthropologically. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you look at him as a thinker and we'll talk about, you know, how he got to these places. And I think, you know, you learn from looking how other people learned, but for Reich, it looks like it was really just all him working with individual people going, Hey, wait a minute. People are carrying this weird toxic shit in them that I could see came from the culture and they internalized it and it's fucking their shit up. Yeah. So and that's what he realized from working with people. I'm and like, it's cool. <laughs> the anthropological yeah. view is actually very popular, you know, and I think it's partly because this is a very material, biological, materialistic culture, you know, just in terms of we could say, oh, well, that's how we, because everybody believes for the most part, believes in evolution, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can look back and say, well, that's how it was. And so that's part of you. And therefore, that's why this is that way. You know, and logically, of course, that makes sense. These are the steps are there. You could see one plus one is two plus two is four. All right, okay, I, I can get all that. But, you know, in a in a process of trying to like free yourself from things that you are not fully accepting of it, whether it be cultural or hereditary or whatever, you absolutely have to be aware of the things that are influencing you consciously and unconsciously. 
if you want to have the the responsibility of being free that is yeah you know it's kind of interesting because when we do like uh uncle carl as in carl jung <laughs> who we affectionately refer to as uncle carl mm-hmm. uh because he has been died to us like a nice uncle <laughs> that's right <laughs> um uh, he and Carl Rogers are two Uncle Carls. So, um, but he got like, he went through, through anthropology and became a mystic. So it's weird because you can take that in multiple directions. Sure. It's interesting, you know? Sure. Uh, yeah, but ultimately it's like, you know, like the gist of what we're trying to do here is how do you learn from everything and then try to apply it to yourself? Yeah. Change yourself. Now, I, I mean, we're being a little meta here. We like to do that occasionally. But, Hello, you know, audience. Hello, audience. We, we know you're listening. <laughs> let's break the fourth wall. Yeah, that's right. Whatever. Uh, make it like a Deadpool movie. So, um, but the thing is, make a joke about Wolverine. <laughs> right. So, um, but in any case, you know, the thing is, I was thinking about, like, what are we trying to do here sometimes? Like, I have this thought. I think about these episodes in between our recording these things and what the hell am I going to talk about and what are we going to talk about? And like, I'm thinking, okay, what are we doing? And, uh, part of it was that we're not just trying to tap into like even like just old buddhist books and stuff we're talking about all kinds of stuff yeah because the idea that you can learn to spiritually change yourself through like chinese medicine or through buddhism or taoism or zen or whatever you know uh sufism you know whatever we want to do in our little intro thing sure (laughs) you know but like sociology anthropology psychology right we're trying to learn from every single possible source to like improve ourselves, right? And that's a little different, maybe, right? It's not like every single thing where you talk about Buddhism is going to talk about Carl Rogers or something. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. Probably they won't. But that's you know what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, yeah, you can learn from every single aspect of life. Mm-hmm. All these sophic activities going on everywhere or something, right? Mm-hmm. So I I think like. Yeah, I mean, that's like a deep idea to me that like whether it's anthropology or whether it's the psychology here that we're trying to do in these episodes, where we're thinking about relationships and how you learn through your deep relationships with other people, like we're trying to just constantly be learning about ourselves yeah. and what's going to make us spiritually improve, right? Psycho-spiritually improve. We agree. <laughs> yeah, I got, I had this yeah, whole talk that I had with my patient yesterday about yeah. living, you know, because people come in with, with, they're, you know, their stuff, you know, and we're working with it. And sometimes it's more prescient than others. Physically, there, there's a shoulder pain or whatever. And sometimes it's a digestive thing. And sometimes it's, we're in, the, we're in the springtime. And so I feel like there's a little bit more irritability, frustration, just sort of floating around. Just it's our Chinese medical theory, right? Yeah. Yeah. Spring, yeah. yeah. I have to say like, you know, just like to give you, uh, you know, the props of this you were talking about before we started doing the on mic conversation and you said something like, um, you like spending the time with patients now understanding their inner world and making Chinese medicine just about not about their physical problems, right? Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is like a major thing. Mm-hmm. Just to give you a shout out that you're doing that. And yeah, who are in the Midwest who want to see you for this should. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to give you the shout out. Cause like, you know, it's like a, a, a deep way to approach our field, you know? Yeah. Professional thing. Well, thank you, sir, for the professional compliment. Um, so we were talking about. I gave, like, I gave, a, I gave a tip of the cap for people. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. For our, yeah, for our, yeah. I for didn't the, just not respond. <laughs> for the listening audience, they're like a weird, weird silence. But it's an awkward silence. Yeah, no, like, I, was, I made a gesture of like yes, yes, yeah, a bow, <laughs> just like dead air. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> but so we, so I was talking to him about you know what what he had going on and, and nothing, just dead crickets. <laughs> so I'm talking to this. I'm talking to this guy and. 
eventually, you know, and I ask him, you know, how's his, you know, just generally like, okay, are you, are you getting out for walks? Are you getting some kind of exercise? Are you able to find some time for quiet reflection, meditation, something, you know? And he's like, well, not as good, you know, and I'm up and down, right? Basically was the answer for all of it. And I said, okay, cool. You know? And so then I, he proceeded to tell me what was going on, work stress, so on and so forth, but how he's having a very somatic response to it. And even though his mind is kind of like clear as to what's happening, there's still a response that the mind cannot rationalize is why it's occurring, you know, exactly. Yeah. And, and I said to him, well, you know, I'm trying to talk to him about the mind body connection, which we've talked about at nauseam because I've had him for several years. Now we have a pretty good relationship. And, and I just said that with Reich too, though, so it fits into the episode. So, huh? yeah, yep. And I talked to him about it actually. So, yeah, what yeah. we do here influences outside as well, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I'm talking to him and I just said, look, man, your, your practice of whatever you're doing, exercise, meditation, drawing, working, doing presentations to your bosses on different pitches for different things or whatever, it's all practice. You're, you're, you're a practitioner of your life, actually. And like in Buddhist thought, there's like the three jewels that we've talked about, Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, which we won't go into the, the depth right now of all of those because we have so many times before. Yeah. Um, but that like one of the greatest things you could do is take your life as the guru, take your 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 actual living existence yeah, as your teacher. As a teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, in that case, every, you're an artist in the sense maybe you're not a visual artist or a musician in a sense but you're totally an artist in the way that you live your life artistically as in that it's authentically and uniquely you so everything that you're doing is an outpouring of the things that you're working on on the inside so if you're working on you know feeling anxious then the the external manifestations of that are going to be hurried and and frustrated and irritable in that sense right or quickened and um he just really appreciated that part. I think more than anything else that we did. And it goes back to kind of how we're talking about like everything being a part of all the other things that we do, you know, and looking at some of the deeper things that are, that influence us and our outpouring of our own particular efforts. in like, we're talking about in the podcast as a means of being. So I, you know, for me, because I thought that conversation was so helpful for him, I wanted to share it here and I'm glad that it came up for people to view not their particular situations as like a, as an obstacle to get through or a situation to work around or whatever. Yes, it is that, but it's also an opportunity for you to express what it is that you have been working on within yourself externally. Right. Because this shows, I think to the other people around you and to yourself kind of like, you know, the depth of what you're working on without waving a flag, walking around saying, look how good I am. Look how good I am. Look how good I am. Do you know what I'm saying? No one, and I had this conversation with my friends. I said, no one cares that you do self-reflection or that you journal or that you take time for walks or that you meditate or that you draw or play music or spend time quietly. And na- no one cares. The only time it really matters is when you're like working with other people and they see your calm demeanor, your creative ways for problem solving, your very intricate or interesting way of looking at life in different situations. That's when it comes up, but it's such a a short window. They're not going to know all the work that you put into it, but it's absolutely worth it because that's just letting a little bit of steam off of the boiling pot. And the boiling pot is the, you know, is the work essentially is the journey in my, in, in, in my view of it. Yeah. Yeah. So like I got a couple of things on it. Um, One, you know, this is a big thing for me with Zen in the beginning because part of Zen says you're going to go through and you're going to do this 
inner work or whatever you want to call it. Sure, right. Yeah. And you're going to like tap into these parts of yourself, especially probably this Buddha nature idea. You're going to tap into deep parts of yourself that like flow. And then when you're out with people, you will flow. Right. And the yeah. person might not know that that has to do anything with Zen at all. Right. right. But that activity will then flow. And they have a lot of this stuff and obviously in Taoism too, you know, you know, they try to make this point that that will carry into your activities. Like uh, there's a big thing in Chuangzi about the guy who's a butcher, you know, and he can kind of like he flows so well that he never has to sharpen his knife or something. He can mm. go through and just do all of his work as a butcher. And he does it so cleanly that the blade never gets dull because he never hits any bone and he never does anything the wrong way. It's a metaphor, obviously. It's poetic, right? But the idea is uh, you don't have to be a butcher. <laughs> <laughs> That's a you know? But the thing is, uh, you know, you might like morally object to that even. But the thing is, you know, um, it's the flow aspect of it that you're trying to get through the, you know, the analogy and the metaphor and the poetry of it, right? Mm. And, the, you know, the person may not know even where that's coming from that you're interacting with. But, you know, that's that's the source that it's coming from. And then your activity in your life will be very, like, I think you were saying all the things, creative, maybe insightful, natural in a flowing way, authentic, maybe, if you want to even use a word like that, mm -hmm. right? It'll happen very naturally. And that will bring out qualities in other people too. That's mm -hmm. Zen, <laughs> the way it was pitched to me in part. I remember trying to explain it to people who weren't into the idea and they just kind of stare at you like, what are you talking about? <laughs> But if you're into the idea, it makes total sense, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing that happened, it was kind of interesting during the week is that, you know, we're, we're rambling a little bit, but that's cool because we like to do that. So during the week, I had to do these, for one of my places where I teach, I had to do eight hours of continuing edu education, e education units on education. Oh. So it's like a weird thing that they throw in every April. And I'm like, oh, fuck, <laughs> this thing again. But I try to make it interesting. So. I'm listening to this psychologist named Jonathan Haidt, who has opinions about education and other things. And, and so I'm listening to one of his books and he's just going through like psych research. So this is trippy, Daniel, because it relates exactly to, I think what you were talking about a little, like uh, uh, you might call this evidence informed practice in our little field. Ooh, oh, oh, EIP. <laughs> in the Chinese medical world, there's always this conversation about like, okay, let's do, let's look at the science. So, okay, here's some science. And it's trippy because Jonathan Haidt in the book was talking, I guess, maybe from the per like from the person who did this study. And the person who did the study was, I can't fucking believe this is happening. But here's what happened. So the study was basically had people, they had two groups. One group was just writing about rando stuff. Nothing that meant anything to them. The other group is supposed to think about some painful experience in their life, something that was difficult for them and write about that. And they did it like for maybe 15 minutes a day for four days in a row or something. So then I don't know exactly what they were looking for. He didn't really explain that in the little blurb that I was listening to, listening to slash reading. I do a lot of my reading through audiobooks because I don't have a lot of time. But when they looked at the people who were in the experimental group, the people who had written about things that were meaningful and deep, uh, you know, what they found was that they not only had better psychological health over the course of the whole next year, Mm. but they had better physical health in that they got less colds and flus mm. just from doing that hour writing they could show a statistically significant effect for like the whole next year mm. that the person's even physical health was better and that was you know and the guy who was doing the study was like i never would have imagined that would happen that i could show that there'd be a statistically demonstrable effect from just an hour of writing that seems impossible right 
Mm. But he found it, you know, and there it was. It was sitting there, right? Uh, just from that thing of like dealing with what was inside of you, for, even for that short amount of time, you could see the difference, you know? Mm. So I thought this is very powerful. And um, there's a little twist in it too, that when they went back and looked at who really got the benefit, it had to do with not only writing about something personal, but especially if you were like processing something through. So the people who wrote about things that they already had sort of thought through in their lives and they didn't really, really change much, the writing didn't change how they thought about it that much, didn't get the benefit. But the people who actually rethought things, kind of reframe things, which I kept thinking like, that's what we're trying to do on this podcast all the time. Mm -hmm. Talk about this idea of reframing things, right? Mm -hmm. Rethinking how you think about your life and your world. I know I'm trying to do that with myself all the time, mm -hmm. right? having the experiences and just thinking, okay, what do they mean to me? So he was talking about the idea that, you know, we're storytelling creatures as human beings. So, you know, people were working through their stories and thinking, well, how did they actually feel about this? And what actually is this story? And then that's what produced the result. Mm. Trippy, right? That's cool. It's very cool. So anyways, you know, it, it relates to what you're doing with that patient. You know, they stop and they reflect, they rethink their story. And like, now you have a, you know, for all of us, we can reference this little study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll try to find where the where the book it was from because I think I ended up writing a whole book like, hey, look at this. This is trippy. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. But, you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do. I kept thinking like, yeah, you're, we're trying to do it with patients or we're trying to do it with this podcast. Mm -hmm. Rethink. And it has this ripple effect, right? Through the entirety of your life, even your physical health. Well, I often refer patients back to the podcast, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's a, you know, it's a conversation that, People can listen. So hello, patients. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you know, getting meta, right? Um, you know, but it, it's a it's a means to to continue this type of conversation outside of the clinic. People can be, you know, sort of influenced. Not not that, and and it's not from a place of like, oh, I want to influence you. No, it's just that like, if this is is meaningful to what we've talked about and what that person has expressed interest in, then I will say, hey, you can maybe we we this this thought from where you and I are coming from extends out into that world also. And if I could bring them back in here, then I, then I do that. I just want to say uh, to Helen, I hope your sore ankle is doing better. Hope the elbow is doing, that's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> just, I tease, I tease about HIPAA. Um, Her name was Julie. It's not Helen. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Patient H. Um, uh, so anyway, so, you know, that, and then um, yeah, the whole idea that, uh, that um well okay i guess that's 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 it we got it yeah we got it <laughs> there's something else i wanted to say about that and i lost it ah shit that's all right come back to me. we should come back to the thing anyways it'll come back to me case study but uh it wasn't it wasn't totally none of this is totally tangential to what we're trying to do here no, no. it'll hit me um uh all right so heard this emotional plague <laughs> <laughs> that's a very long parentheses <laughs> Uh, yeah, when we do uh, Jin and Tantra, the book, it'll be mostly parentheses. And mostly like parentheses. Yeah. Like an actual salient point. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, I think what this, I wanted to talk about this next part. And it's interesting for me because there's a person very dear to my heart. And it turned out that this was like one of our first real conversations that we had. We kind of realized this. It's It's kind of fascinating. She has an interest in astrology and it was sort of striking up a conversation about astrology. And I said, you know, 
the most important thing I think I ever learned in astrology has very little to do with maybe astrology in the end. Mm. But it was one of those things where you, I sort of intuitively thought, well, I should just talk about this thing rather than something about, you know, where the moon is in this sign or the sun is in this sign or whatever. I was like, you know what the, you know, what I think is most important for thinking about astrology is this odd little thing. And I came across it in this astrology book. I used to do this sort of like semi-professional. And um, it's this kind of, you know, deep idea of like how you understand people. I was also influenced to say like by an essay by the fifth Dalai Lama who talks about um, um, this whole bit about like, okay, my, my chart says this, my chart says that, my chart says this, my chart says that. But then he says something like, well, you know, in the same locale on that very same day, there were many cows that were born at that exact same moment and many earthworms and many whatever, and we're all different, you know? So the astrology is only a piece. Mm. The big thing comes, how are like different, living things born under those same stars going to use those energies and i thought that's kind of like one of the most fascinating questions really you know mm. once you start to get into this it's not just that the chart's going to tell you everything about this person or something though people sometimes say that but i mean dalai lama is kind of saying fifth dalai lama is saying no you know he's saying more like no there's like all kinds of beings born under that same thing you know which doesn't mean the astrology isn't true but uh you know it means it's only part of the picture mm-hmm. anyway so what what they well, you can talk about, and I'm going to try to relate, relate it back to the emotional plague, and I'm going to try to relate it back to, like, one of our conversations that we tend to have, which is about, like, self-help. So anyways, four types of people. And it's kind of hierarchical, and I don't like hierarchical things that as much. I have a little resistance to them. So I'm going to say types, not levels. But you know, it does have an idea of a level here thing too. You know, obviously it's going to be kind of like this. I mean, you know, we'll read between the lines, but I don't think that's what's important for me. I think what's important for me is more the idea like these are people who are just trying to accomplish different things in their lives or in different life situations. Okay, so here's the point that's made. You can have like a type one person and the idea is that they're kind of just struggling in life in general and probably struggling to stay in the social world in a way, right? Because they're at risk of like falling through the bottom. You know, mm. so then these might be people who have severe physical illnesses or severe mental illnesses or very adverse life circumstances where they could really fall through the bottom of the society and fall through the bottom of the social safety net. And we have nothing but empathy for those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their challenges are very particular, right? They're trying to get themselves into the human world so they can kind of survive within it. You know, I had like a friend back in the day who went a little crazy. <laughs> Uh, he's kind of a little QAnon now. I don't know what happened to him, but for a long part of his life, he was working with autistic kids mm. and, you know, um, in the education of autistic kids. And, you know, part of what he's trying to do is he's trying to get them to integrate into the world so they could participate. Right. And I thought that's noble work. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so that's, you know, that's certain kind of person. And I guess if we do the self-help thing, they need a certain kind of self-help, right. Going back to what my friend was trying to do. How do you get that person to be able to participate in the human world, the human societal world around them. So they're not excluded and they don't fall through. And we talked about this before a little bit on mic, but probably a little bit more off mic. America is a harsh culture, potentially like there's a fear and it's probably not just a bug. It's probably a feature that you can be afraid of falling out the bottom. Yeah. Like people are afraid of that, you know, like you could get like sick and have no healthcare and fall out the bottom. Right. Mm -hmm. 
or your loved ones could be sick and have no health care and you can fall off the bottom. And sometimes when you talk, I know we have a European listening audience and maybe people from other places, sometimes they're like, seriously, is that how it really is? Yeah, that's yes. how it really is. You can fall off the bottom of this thing. Yeah. 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 About 30% of our audience is international. Yeah. So, I mean, you might be like, well, is American culture really like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a joke. And don't let them do that to you. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, they're coming for you all the time, you know? this corporatism that America has so much of, they'll try to take every fucking thing over and make everybody live under these shit conditions. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, I mean, I, uh, this is a sidebar point, but I saw something where I was like pulling back child labor laws. Iowa? To let 15, yeah. The state of Iowa is pulling them back to let 15 and 16 year olds work in factories doing line work. Oh, like they're pulling back the child labor laws. It just, I just read, I just heard about it today. I haven't like totally looked into the details. Imagine like we're letting 15 and 16 year olds back to do like factory line work, working in like, you know, big butchering plants and shit like that with those spinning blades and shit. Kids are supposed to do that again. And they they did it where they're going to have kids able to work six hour night shifts, 15 and 16 year olds. What the fuck? Yeah. Speechless. That is dead air. <laughs> yeah. That's a shaking of the head in dead air. So anyways, there's a real danger of this, you know, that you could fall through the bottom and, you know, your life could really bottom out. And um, so anyways, people are afraid of this. And so that's a type one set of concerns, right? You know, depending on where you're starting from and where you're at, sometimes because of racism, sometimes because of economic factors, sometimes because of physical illness, sometimes because of mental illness, you could be in these really precarious situations and be in a lot of trouble. Mm. And you got something else you want to say about that? I mean, we, I know we we agree. I mean, what are you going to do, right? Yeah. Okay, so those are, that's a certain kind of, you know, so the people who have a certain set of concerns, right? Then the next idea is that they have people who are kind of more like type two people. And the idea with them is that they function kind of in the societal world. And it's a type of being, I guess, is the point of this, you know, and their energies and their thoughts what their concerns are going to be directed within that world. And they're mostly going to be focused on their lives and their jobs and their families within that world. And maybe the social conditions within that world too, but they're very kind of society, like societally oriented people who function within sort of a societal paradigm and framework. And they're, you know, that's just kind of how, sort of how they are. That's their vibe in the world. And it's probably the majority of people are this, right? The majority of human concern is within this range, right? And it's hard to get a, like a feeling of what that entirely means till you get to the next one. So I'll do the next one, right? And then you know you can tell me what you think, Daniel, the whole way of talking. But these are people who are trying to transcend and escape the societal world. So their inside is something like the societal world kind of sucks, and I want to try to get out of it in whatever ways are meaningful to them to transcend it. So they might have decided something like, oh, this area of work sucks, and I don't want to work in the way that the society wants me to work. I'm going to see if I can find another way to work, right? Or you might decide, I don't like this approach to spirituality in this culture, and so I'm going to try to find my own way of doing this. And I'm using those examples because when I've thought about myself with this, and this podcast is very, very like a like a Jonathan Haidt psych experiment because <laughs> we get to think mm. about ourselves a lot. Mm. Right? And I thought, yeah, no, this is a real thing. I had to think, okay, I don't like the attitude of the society towards work, so I better find a different way of working. I don't want to work in corporate America. I know it eats your soul. I don't want to do it. I better figure out another way to work because that's where most of the work is going to be. So I better figure out some way around this. Or, you know, I happen to be raised Roman Catholic and I decided this is not for me. And I want to find some other way to pursue what's of spiritual interest to me. 
Mm. So anyways, you know, it was like, this is a transcendent activity, you know, where you sort of, and potentially, I think when I read Reich and the emotional plague, I was like, yeah, there's an emotional plague. The society has a lot of problems and uh, I don't want to be part of that. I want to get out of that. Right. And so I was like trying to identify what I thought were the elements of emotional plague in myself and in the world around me. And I'm going to try to like uh, eradicate that plague. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I'm going to try to like get rid of that. So, you know, if you talk about with relationships, we're doing that too, because we're talking about different ways that people might approach their relationship life. We're all going to approach it in our own ways, mm. but at least you talk about, and you start thinking, okay, what do I think about this for reals? And, you know, um, how do I find the way of doing this? That's true for me. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, a way of like stepping out of expectation norms, mores of social situations, right. And deciding what you actually think about them. Mm -hmm. So it's a kind of a sort of a type of person. Now, I guess you could argue and I, I do think about this, but I can't do it in a non-biased biased way, Daniel. You know what I mean? Like for me, I've always been drawn to the types of spirituality, the types of psychology that are like contrarian. Maybe because I'm a contrarian person on some level. But it also was based on the idea like, I think the society is going to like screw me up and I better look at this very closely. Sure. And, uh, and look at the things that I think are toxic and get rid of them. What was the, uh, what was the fourth type? Fourth type is the idea of people who are looking for more like a general sense of transcendence. Mm. So if you look at it, like, I guess as a hierarchy, people are struggling to get into the social world. They can function within the social world. Then mm -hmm. people start going, it's a little bit Indian probably too. Indian. Yes. Culture. I was just thinking that. Yeah. And then you go, okay, I'm going to get out of the social world. Right. Because it's too limiting and it's too potentially toxic. So I'm going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And obviously you see this in things like Zen and Buddhism and Tantrism and Taoism. This is a big theme. You got to get out of this world, mm -hmm. right? And transcend it to find out more who you really are. I mean, Chuang Tzu says it verbatim, right? And the Taoist stuff. The function of society is to confuse the fuck out of you. He doesn't say that. This is a paraphrase. <laughs> he says it more poetically with butterflies and shit. <laughs> but he, you know, he like, because he's the one who talks about dreaming you're a butterfly. But anyways, you know, the whole idea that like he says, like, this will just confuse you and you'll lose who you are because you'll be so, you know, mind befuddled by the expectations of the societal cultural things around you that will just confuse you and you will spend your whole life confused about who you are. Mm. So anyway, so that's the next step. And then the, the following the last step of this thing, if you want to make it a hierarchy, we can resist that. I don't think we have to do it that way. You know, but you know, if you want to make it a hierarchy, then the last part would be like once you're able to do that, then you can seek more like uh, uh, even deeper transcendence, you know, oh. figuring out what it means to transcend maybe all things and connect to deeper spiritual ideas and all that. But you have to have some space to do that, I guess, would be the idea. If you're still within the societal frame, it's going to be hard for you to totally do that it would be this position. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I totally get so it. What do you think of the whole thing? Then I don't know. I, I don't think we've exactly ever talked about this on the podcast. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the in this way, but Real quick. So, so for me, I thought this is one of the most important things I've ever heard in my life. Because I thought, yeah, this is really true. It explains a lot of what or what motivates different kinds of people and where they're at kind of in this range of possibilities. Even if we don't make it a hierarchy, just where are they at and what's important to them? It's one of the deepest things I think of understanding people. Anyways, I'll, I'll throw it back to you. But yeah, no, I think it's it's yeah. true. I mean, it, it, you know, it is Indian and it's, you know, kind of like a chakra model in a sense, right? That you have your... yeah sort of householders at the, you know, at the beginning part, people who are interested in 
and not, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. I'm just giving the the, the, the ideas on it, right? It's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's health, it's family, and it's making uh, ends meet in order to kind of keep that thing intact. And that's the primary focus. And then you have sort of your business class above them who are sort of selling them things, employing them, keeping all of that. That's the machine. That's basically what the yeah, society is. Right. Yeah. Right. And and there's nothing wrong with that either. These are mer- the merchantile people, right? Traders, they call them. Um, business type ideas. And then above, you know, sort of like above that, you start to have the bubbling up of, of society, you know, people who are willing and looking at, you know, having practice outside of that, the mm-hmm. ideas that are, are that, that buck that trend, you know, and these are probably your, your yogis, you know? Yeah. And, or and, maybe like you know people who are artists and people who are trying to do things. There you like go. That. Maybe that maybe that's a different way because yeah, I think yogis are probably at the top actually. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, so people who are looking to make their life their their living creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I think says there has to be a recognition somehow that like I have to get out of the the you know the negative parts. Sure. Right? Of the call, I have to step back away from them to free myself from them. Something right. like that. Something have to do with freedom, probably too, right? For sure. And I, for but I, I, you know, maybe I'm fantasizing uh, having creation as your means of financial stability, and mm-hmm. that like you are incentivized, at least from my ignorant per- perspective on that, on this, that you're work within your own personal kind of creative output is your means to supporting yourself and thereby you cannot be inherently trapped in the kind of like nine to five repetitious thing and still be able to tap into your own creative process they're sort of like juxtaposed to each other actually in how, some how conscious was it for you when you were choosing your professional life to like be outside of the normal framework was that a conscious thing for you or because for me, it was pretty conscious. I like had watched my dad work in corporate America and I was like, and it like just ate away at him, you know? And I was like, no, I can't do this. This is not, I've always been concerned about what seems healthy, what seems real, authentic and healthy. And I was like, well, this isn't real, authentic and healthy. Right. But the loved ones that I have who are in that world, it, it's a lot of suffering. Yeah, I can say it, it wasn't conscious un- until probably much later actually so after getting out of the military and then having you know some you know random jobs doing this or that afterwards when I was in school that you know I became a a personal trainer and that I found that actually my hourly rate far exceeded anything else that anybody else was doing so I could make what they make in a week in a few days Mm -hmm. or two days really and that that would be adequate enough for me to be able to go to school and support myself you know if I was working four or five days a week, well, then that was adequate to most people's two weeks where, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. it just made sense that, that that's how I was able to see myself in that way. And then from, you know, progressing from that, looking back, I was like, how would I ever, be, you know, look at my, look at myself and my earning potential as a means to like my, as my ability to stand somewhere for a number of hours, you know, yeah. and just count down on the clock and rely on, you know, somebody else to tell me what to do in order to be able to support myself. That just never seemed like something I would want to do ever, ever yeah, again. I, mean, I don't 
I actually don't think it's a bad idea to frame it in terms of what, how you're able to be able to support yourself and survive within this world in that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that's a bad framing. Mm -hmm. I think people want to be able to support themselves through things that are much more personally meaningful and creative and whatever are going to try to do this. Yeah. Right. I don't think it only has to be limited to like the world of professional work and things like that. This could be across a range of ways that you might be like, I got out of this. Yeah. But that's an important one. Right. For sure. Yep. And then the kind of like the sort of the, the final aspect of that is, is, you know, people who lead deeply spiritual lives and, and have, have their, their desire is so far outside of society. It's within themselves. Right. Yeah. That's like, or that's in like a weird way within themselves and without themselves and the old kind of shoot Beatles yeah. song go. Right. Yeah. We try to connect to something that transcends what all the societal world would probably think of in some ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're looking for something else. Yeah. Yeah. And they, and then also they, they, they have an important role. I mean, we don't really see them in this culture. If you've studied more Indian culture, because they still exist, you know, street yogis and whatnot still exist, actually, you know, traveling people, they still exist to probably a lesser degree, but they still are some of them, you know, um, they, they represent the, the very small percentage of people who look at them and say, what kind of life do they lead? You know, I wonder what that's like. And they, they, I, I think they have an, an important function in society as kind of like the potential that like there is a, something outside of what you currently know and believe that is beyond your level of comprehension at this point. Not comprehension, but level of like exp- tangential or, or tangible experience. And, and because of that, they represent potential for you. Mm. Even like if you like in the tantric traditions, you have these mahasiddhas or characters or something, right? Yeah, and like they represent some yeah. aspect of yourself that that has the desire for transcendence, because I think everybody does. It that voice might be might be quiet, you know, it might just be like a very flickering candle, but it's there. Well, it's kind of like totally the uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs or something like that too. Sure, that everything has ranges along all of this. Yes, yes. but see the thing is like. Okay, so when I looked at my when when I learned this thing, I was okay. So let me look at myself with this. And when I looked at myself, I obviously kind of went like, I got a lot of type three questions going on. How do I get transcendent of the societal things that I think are negative? So that was really important. And again, we'll we're going to talk more about our own personal lives later and stuff. We're kind of doing the the big picture stuff, and then maybe we'll talk personal even more. But And then part of it obviously was like something like I wanted to know something about this type four thing too. I wanted to have some experience of like transcendence. So when I graduated from my undergrad, it was like, okay, I'm not going to go to grad school. I'm going to spend three years of my life just doing Zen. So that's what I did, Mm. you know? And like, as far as that goes, because I get the type one thing, I was like, okay, I I might even have to let myself just like fall through the bottom. I remember thinking about that at the time, thinking, okay, maybe I have to like fall off the bottom of this a little bit. And let myself fall down, which is scary a little bit, right? Yeah. I was yeah. nervous. But I was like, okay. And so I like lived in uh, Chicago. They have, we had these things called garden apartments, <laughs> mm. which are essentially basements. <laughs> basement. You live and, inside uh, of the garden. <laughs> live under the garden. <laughs> and I live near where, uh, you know, the, the Wrigley Field, where the Chicago Cubs baseball team plays for people who aren't like uh, from the States. And uh, so the Chicago drunken Cubs fans would come by my little garden apartment window and I wave hello and I'd be working on my Zen. 
And, uh, uh, and that was like one of the most meaningful things to me that, you know, I was like, it, it was either like, uh, it was probably like a type three to four thing or something. I'll live this life. And there were people I admired, I guess, we were talking about people we admire off mic. And I guess we did a little bit on mic too with Reich. And I was like, yeah, there were, there were writers that I admired who took that chance of like, okay, let me fall through a little bit. At least let me fall out. Right. I'll fall out. And then I'll figure shit out after that. But first I'm going to fall out. So I did, I made that conscious choice and it was like, it was something that I knew I was doing. It wasn't like a, an accidental thing. And I wasn't in the situation that people who were really in difficulties, I could work myself out of difficulties if I wanted to, mm. you know what I mean? It wasn't like that was, you know, I could do it if I wanted to. Uh, and I didn't have physical health or uh, psychological problems that were super deep, or I didn't have problems of like serious problems of like obviously economics or racism directed at me i mean i could mm -hmm. you know, yeah i could do um but it was a conscious decision of like okay i'm i'm because i felt pressure to do stuff you know my dad was like go work in corporate america and i was like no <laughs> and my mom was like go to med school and i was like no <laughs> and even within myself i felt fears and pressures to do things and i was like i had to say to myself no <laughs> those parts of myself too and let myself go through take the chances of falling out a little bit which i sort of knew i was doing and then eventually i worked myself back to like the profession that you know we both share now but it took a bit to get there but mm. that wasn't my goal my goal was i better find out who i am maybe that's a type three concern you know and i better then find out something about the transcendent truths of life to my satisfaction because i was doing zen that's a type four concern this but is a whole chunk of my life you know it's very was... important so the, the podcast that I did with my friend, Remy, the shaman, um, okay. called Kumankaya, that, that's the name of the podcast. It's also the name of their center in Mexico. Um, that's what he decided at 17. And he yeah, said, yeah. I can't move forward with I can't move forward in life until I figure, you know, who am I? Who is God? And so he went and entered the monastery. And he lived there for yeah, 20 yeah, yeah. He spent 20 years there. Yeah. You know? I, felt so, like, I think I felt more drawn to like a lay person's path. Mm. you know like so that was that's like even because i thought about you know we both not you and i both talked about it. we thought about should i go out should i go off and like study zen in japan or something you know become a monk or whatever um or what robert thurman did should i run out to india and seek a teacher or something mm -hmm. but i had this thought of and maybe i got a little bit like something happened that was weird because i found zen masters in chicago weirdly enough <laughs> weirdly enough so that just sort of worked out but it was like something like uh I also was interested in the lay person's path. Eric, which, do you, that's going to take a while to build that up. What does that even mean to be a lay person? You know, if you're not going to go into like a specific monastic setting. And I guess that's the Robert, Robert Thurman episode too. He had to figure that out in his own way for himself you, too. Go to India, you, be a monk, stop being a monk, become a professor. But, you know, he's a model for that we can learn from, right? Right. And I'm not going to ask you that. Let's just move on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it, it's not a it's not a good on-air question so oh, okay it's an off-air question all right fair enough i'm 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 morbidly curious <laughs> yeah well it's we'll in reference we'll do it off here we'll do it off it here. wasn't it's in reference to your uh your zen teachers but it, it it doesn't it doesn't fit so okay all right so anyway so this this is a big thing so we, i mean i i thought this was one of the most powerful things in terms of like reading astrology then or even in terms of like doing personality typing 
Sure. Or if you do like Chinese medicine, sometimes we're interested in doing like five phase types of people. What are they like? I mean, you can do that kind of thing. But the point that's made here is the thing that will really help you understand what a person's going to do when you really want to understand them is you have to see where are they motivated at mm. within this kind of where are they at? And then you'll probably know more about what the person's going to do from that than almost anything about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's going to tell you a lot. And then to the self-help part, then it was sort of like, it'll tell you like what kind of help they actually need. Right. Mm. Because like with my friend working with kids who are suffering from like, you know, dealing with autism, learning how to like live with that. Right. You know, you know, that kind of life. Well, then the main thing they have to figure out to do is how to function in the social world and learn how to like, find themselves there. And that's the most maybe important thing for them. Right. right. And I thought about this because we talk about self-help <laughs> sometimes on mic and sometimes off mic, you know, and the whole idea of self-help. But like, if you're in a, if you're in a type two life, if your life is mainly concerned about social concerns and your family, your kids, your work, those are all reasonable things to be concerned about. Even I think in a weird way, like improvement of society is like this too. Americans spend a lot of time debating about what their society should be like. Right. But I think that's still a kind of like a type two thing on some yeah. level to me. Yeah. Right. It consumes a lot of time. You know, if you wanted to like, you know, be involved with that, you could, I mean, know people who develop, who devote lots and lots of their lifetime to those questions. Right. And sometimes in ways that are very proactive and admirable, but it's probably within that range or something. Right. Mm. You know, uh, it's self-referential to the societal framework or something like the way I'm thinking about it, but it can be very admirable and a good way to, to like spend your life. So there's no judgment in any of this, but that's a certain kind of person. And then they need help in a certain kind of way. Right. Right. How do you, how do you wrestle with those questions? Right. And there's to be a certain kind of help directed towards them. Even when I was talking with my mommy, my 83 year old mommy about this, <laughs> she said something really interesting. Like the way she phrased it really struck me. She said, well, you have to develop some sense of yourself so you're able to cope with this world. She used the word cope. Mm. And I thought that's an interesting way to frame that. But, you know, most of her life was probably within this type two framework. Right. And she had a lot to cope with, you know, within the life of, you know, her relationship, her family, you know, uh, she was trying to make improvements in the society around her, you know, so that was the whole thing. You know, and that's a certain kind of self-help there too. Probably where most of the self-help is oriented or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I think part of what you say is we, you tell me, I think this is my way of thinking about it. It might not be your way. When we talk about this, you always want to remind me, hey, self-help for those folks too. Yeah. Right. When we do these episodes. Now, but I was thinking about for myself, a lot of my self-help is like type three and four oriented self-help, which is like, get the fuck out. Mm. <laughs> That's my self-help, you know? And uh, we both recognize, all, you know, all of this kind of self-help. But for me, you know, much of what was made my life better was that I got out. That was the main thing I did that helped myself. You know, there were things I decided, no, I don't like these things. I'm getting out of this. I'm going to break with this. And that was the main way I helped myself. If I'm honest, you know, mm. that was the main, that was the main self-help thing I did. That was the most powerful thing that I did, you know, was to do that, you know? So sometimes when I thought about this, in the context of what we're doing and how we talk here, I was like, yeah, I think that's the thing I'm trying to get across for those people who need that message. Right. Mm. Or that resonates with them. You know what I mean? Won't resonate with everybody, but there's a group of people like who are like that. And I'm saying, yeah, I understand you. Let's, you know, that's a, that's a way of self-helping, right. Find the things that you don't want and cut them out of, cut them out of your life or pull yourself back. Um, 
or, you know, recognize those things in yourself that come from that level two thing that you don't like and get rid of them. That's the kind of stuff. Off. Does that make sense what I'm saying, Daniel? No, totally. I mean, I thought about it really deep because I thought, okay, so, you know, how do we, you and I approach this? And I think part of like, to my eyes, part of you is you always want to make sure that we're reaching out to people within like, okay, these are the problems that people have within the reality of like the majority of people have within their social world. And I empathize with that too. You know, and I like sometimes end up feeling to myself like the voice of saying, get the fuck out. <laughs> right. But these things out of your life. Not not everybody's going to do that, but that's a message to those people who. Right. But to your point. Need that message. But mm -hmm. to your point, like you're, you know, we're talking about these kind of like four groups of people and their yeah, intrinsic yeah. motivator and in, their intrinsic motivation are different from each other. Yeah, it's true. So therefore the type of self-help that would work for maybe one group would not apply for another group. I agree. And therefore you have to apply to that person or, or give to that person or help uncover for that person, something that's going to motivate them for what it is that they want in particular. So for a person who's a three or a four type, right. For, you know, who's looking for transcendence, who's looking to be outside of society, who doesn't want to feel the, you know, kind of that they're stuck in a kind of a way you know, they have this, the sense of freedom to them is very important, then the types of practices probably that we talk about on this particular podcast, more often than not, are going to resonate with those types of folks. I think generally speaking, it's not to say that they can't help other people too. And I think one of the things that I'm always trying to sell is that like, no, it does help. Actually, it does help. It, it's not always about like, you know, whatever, creating some visual in your mind and whatever, like, you can be, we, and sometimes we do poo-poo on it, right? Because we talk about life hacks. Meditation is a life hack. However, that is a way of packaging something that can be brought towards people who don't have the type three and type four tendencies within them as an intrinsic motivator in a means to making them more productive at, you know, whatever work or some house project or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Communicating with their family, having emotional intelligence to make their partnerships better, which then again, benefits everybody. So in, in this way, I think it's about like how to effectively apply self-help, which probably is something that and anybody and everybody who is a practitioner of some type of human work can probably get better at, you know, and I think there's a way there's, and I've mentioned this sometimes on this podcast, but there's a prayer in this book. This book is written by, uh, he's a Kundalini yoga practitioner but he's a neurologist actually and there's a prayer in the beginning of the book and one that he says that he he says frequently before meetings with difficult you know consultations and it says please please god lord creator whatever um help me speak to them in a language they'll understand yeah yeah, yeah. and i think in this in this case we're trying to uh, you know for us as practitioners and as for listeners and for everybody who has relationships which is everybody you know um Try and understand where the person that you are dealing with, talking to, in communion with is coming from so that you can apply whatever, I don't know, advice or what we're calling it self-help, but we'll call it positive influence so that it can, it actually can relate to them. So you're talking with them, not at them and, and having appreciation, actually, if they're not on the same plane that you are, does it make you better or them worse or one more woke and the other one more dumb? It is not that thing about like emphasizing the idea, like we don't have to do this in a hierarchical way necessarily. No. That's why it's important. People are coming at their lives from different perspectives. For sure. It still tells you something about how people are going to orientate themselves towards the world. Yeah. Right? That is important, I think, to see. And, you know, and understand people. 
you need a how would you bust out a society if there wasn't one but that's kind of a weird question and i, I you know i talk with people about this most people maybe if people busted out of this society shit would be a million times better possible this society sucks possible <laughs> bad. it's gonna trash the planet it's bad it's oh, bad. No, that's not possible that's a for sure that's a that's a for sure yeah so what the fuck it's well, not good <laughs> what I we know I I host these regular and I should maybe do we should maybe do a I should do maybe a, a, a shot of spirits on this on these breathwork ceremonies that I've been hosting for many years. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I hosted one this past weekend and there's people from all walks of life. You know, I'll have anywhere from a dozen to 35, 40 people, you know, mm-hmm. and I always say that, like, everyone is on their own particular path. But for the next couple hours, we're here together at a meeting point. You know, and most people will probably never see each other ever again. But for now, we're sharing energy. We're we're on that. We're at this point where everybody's paths are crossing, and everyone's here for their individual reasons. And it it it's important for me to try and keep that in mind to understand that different people are at different particular points. You know, of their own personal development, of their own understanding, of their own intri- intrinsic motivations for why they're here and why they're doing what they're doing, and to try and speak in a way that is sort of like can be taken um, ubiquitously amongst everybody so that there's some grains of truth that can sort of trickle down and, and have an effect on people's lives as opposed to only touching those who have familiarity with, uh, you know, uh, Tibetan Buddhist Tantra, highest initiation. You know what I'm saying? Like it just. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is like one of those weird questions. Cause like, I think in essence, we agree. It's just kind of like a point of like, style and emphasis or something like yeah. that. And the questions yeah. aren't that simple. They're kind of complicated. Like, okay, on the one hand, I'm always aware that like there's a part of Daniel's background that comes from like your personal trainer, for example. So that's like, okay, I'm going to help all kinds of people, meeting them where they're at, trying to get to them wherever their goals are. I mean, that correct. somehow is part of your background, yeah. right? Yeah. How do I connect with different people to help them from where they are now to like where they need to kind of help them grow and develop. Yeah. That's a very particular way of trying to frame things. And like, I think a lot of the clinical medicine is like that too. You, you meet people where they're at and you try to get them to someplace better. That's a lot of clinical medicine, right? Um, but there's another part of this, I guess, for me, which has always been like, okay, I'm going to do this podcast. I'm going to, yeah, cause you, you, it doesn't make sense to go into, even for me as a, as a, a classroom teacher or something or like doing my education work it doesn't make sense to like throw a bunch of shit like this at people who are just trying to take a class to learn how to do acupuncture that's they didn't sign up for that it's not the place for them to hear my opinions about this shit that's not my role there although right? i did that last semester when i was teaching at, at pacific college so <laughs> i do it occasionally and people sometimes love it you can see the people are like like some people's eyes just like light yes. up because they want to yes. hear that yeah yeah <laughs> No, you can get it. Like sometimes people like you, the chat explodes from the people who want to hear that. Right. You know, during the Zoom class or something, because there are people who do want to hear that mm-hmm. message. Um, but you know, like what'd you pay for? You didn't come to pay here. You didn't pay to hear me talk about my attitudes about four levels uh-huh. of people. And you know, if it's appropriate for the, appropriate for the class, I'll do it. But because uh, I do some things on psychology and whatever. But anyways, if you're just trying to teach people how to use some herbs to help heal people. Let me take this class and I'll give you a diatribe about my opinions about how people should live their lives in the broadest sense. No, that's not the place for that. Um, uh, so I realized that this is the place to kind of give this message. And the weird part for me, Daniel, is like, I do think there's an emotional plague, right? 
And I do think that there are parts of this that are like legitimately toxic on an individual level and then on a more sweeping, like for example, environmental level, right? Mm -hmm. Or whatever. There's parts of this that are toxic that like I think you have to look at. And I, I do think that people are realizing that. I, I don't think that that's even something that people aren't aware of. I think there is a sense of people going, yeah, there's something wrong, right? I think that's actually happening. Don't you don't you think that's true? Yeah. Yeah, I think people are actually going like, no, there's something wrong. And it's not just me on an individual level. There's something wrong with this system, to use a Bob Marley word. Yeah, but unfortunately, that the wrong, the wrongness is usually at the end of a wagging finger towards another being as a representation of the wrongness. As I mean, a, it certainly can go that way, you know. And so, like to me, that's the issue. It's not that like we could. I mean, I think on one hand, the fact that like society wants to improve itself is is good, right? That's a good thing. The way to go about it is going to be different based on your ideology and, you know, who's funding you and, you know, what audience you're talking to. And I'm speaking of politicians at this point, you know, because yeah, yeah. those are people with the quote unquote power, but, you know, whatever, soft power in a sense. But then on the other hand, it's like, OK, what does why can why are we not solution focused? We're argument focused, actually, you know, we're uh -huh. focused almost more on proving the other person wrong than on making the right and to me, this this inherently the the, the conflict based uh, resolution is the problem. Actually, it's not a solution based resolutions. It's kind of, it's like more more. Let's fight more. Let's figure out better ways to beat our enemies. And it's like well, well that's 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 like a tech, that's a pathology. That's emotional plague itself. Yes, that's part of the diagnosis of emotional plague. Yeah, you want to target other people and point the finger at them. And say, if it wasn't for those people, you know, and so we have to like challenge the, the word eradicate has been thrown around in American yeah, culture. For sure. To eradicate those people. You had mentioned in one of the very first episodes that we did way, way back in the day, you were bringing up these like uh, sort of things that you see on YouTube. So-and-so destroys so-and-so. Oh yeah. You the know, labeling. The labeling of all that, you know, this person destroys this other person on this point and then the destroys is all in caps and there's right, like yeah. four exclamation points at the end and just how fucked up that all is yeah yeah so that's not that's not probably not even improvement that's probably like part of the emotional plague you know what i'm saying yeah it's a little bit weird for me in the sense that like if i look back at my life honestly what like what was the most beneficial things that i did if i just am like authentically honest the best things I did were the things that I did that were like type three and type four. Those were the things that really helped me. Mm. So it's hard for me to do even like a project like what we're doing here. I care about all the levels of these people. There's no doubt, you mm -hmm. know? And if you want to be, we're talking about being a Bodhisattva, like we were talking about that even off mic earlier. If you want to try to be a Bodhisattva, you want to help all kinds of people. And yeah. there's this Zen phrase called expedient means. I remember hearing it back in the day, which was like, yeah, you have to help people in a way that will actually help them. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Not just like, okay, let me give you some shit. That's absolutely not helpful for you. And yeah. You know, you know, and then it's how, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Uh, so that's not good for them and not good for you to try to learn how to help them anyways. Right. And you know, there's always a danger that's just stroking your own ego or something like that too. Sure. Right? Yeah. But anyways, well, that all sucks. Don't have anything the, to do with that. The so onus, can, yeah. The onus is on the the person who is trying to provide information to help p 
people or mm-hmm. provide whatever. It doesn't have to be information, right? It could be your own your own time, your own energy, your own money, your own effort, whatever, you know? It's it's on that person if you're going to do it consciously actually to to help the person and meet them where they are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not meet them where you think they should be. But meet or them where they like ideally some human being should be that has nothing to do with them, some hypothetical person that probably doesn't even exist, right? And then also like not to be if their if their goals are different than yours or their motivations are different than yours, to also not take the place of condescendence because you think that they should be doing something else. Oh, I agree. Like I, you know, like I think we both have this thing of like, I don't like a I'm like elitism either. Right. So I don't like this elitist stuff, but I can't get around. And, you know, we're getting to the end of the episode. I know for today, but just as maybe a capper for my son in this, like I was looking at again with this Jonathan hate stuff and uh, I pay attention to social psychology and I pay attention to a lot of this kind of stuff from a mental, mm. mental health point of view mm. and like mental health of teenage girls is like plummeting. It is like nose diving out. This is like, it's really bad, you know? And so I was raising a daughter in like some of the worst times for mental health for girls that you could possibly imagine. It's just like nose diving, right? Mm-hmm. And I have like a daughter who is an extremely happy, healthy person <laughs> and like goes through her life with a lot of joy and uh, and she's, you know, like awesome. And, the, you know, one of the main things I did at some point, and she didn't even like it, you know, I'm just being honest, right? We try to be honest. So one of the main things I did when she got to a certain age, I was like telling her, this society sucks. You have to be careful about it. It'll fuck your head up. So be aware of this. And she was like, don't shit on my cornflakes. And we argued. I remember very specifically, <laughs> we were walking on Michigan Avenue, which is this, you know, big shopping street in Chicago, kind of like you can imagine some of the neighborhoods in New York, you know, where all the stores are and stuff like that. And I was walking down Michigan Avenue, area code that we call like the Gold Coast. I don't even know why we were there. We were probably trying to shop for something for her. And I was just talking about this stuff to her. And she was like, you know, like you're just killing my buzz. Hmm. And I did it, you know, like kind of insistent. And uh, she, you know, we bickered about this, right? But in the end, that ended up being like probably the most, some of the most important shit I ever said to her, Hmm. you know, because in the end, she did get this kind of sense of this and she had her own attitudes. And I, I think, I don't think I was, I think at the time I was like, you'll figure out your own way, but you know, be cautious about this way. This way will screw your shit up, you know? And uh, so find your own way. Cause this way will fuck your shit. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and like now we go retrospectively speaking now that she's, you know, a fully grown person, her own person, you know, uh, going to be 21 this year uh retrospectively speaking she's like oh yeah those were probably I, th- I think you know she says this those were some of the best things i heard and i i ended up being my own unique individual person you know because of like this emphasis of this thing even though she didn't like it at the time you know what i mean so it's hard for me to like i'm just being honest about this it's hard for me to like it's hard for me to get around this. And if someone came up to me and said, what should I do to raise my kids? I'd say the first thing to say is like, look how fucked up this emotional plague is. Get them out of this. Mm. Pull them away from this. You know, that's probably the first thing I would say. And probably the first thing I'd say almost to any adult person. I don't know. Mm. No, that's, I mean, that's a far more way to end an episode, but that's honest. I yeah. didn't know, why should it be? Right. 
positive message. Well, I'm Bring yourself, <laughs> and I'm and, and I'm I'm guessing, I'm guessing, and you know, occasionally we'll, I'll compliment the audience, even though I don't know most of them, or maybe I do. Who knows? Maybe it's just my mom listening to the episode hundreds of times. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think a lot of our audience is the type of are the type of people whom are people who are. I know a lot of them are actually are practitioners of different types who are people living in a conscious way, you know, and, and are willing to help because I've had conversations with some of them, you know, over the years that we've been doing this. And so, like I've said, this is kind of like, you know, the capper for the episode, but really if, if you have a desire to help, which I think many people do, we, we do, and I'm sure everybody does. It doesn't matter what your political views are. Everybody's trying to help whatever they're trying to help. I can't say, but they're trying to help something, you know, but instead of applying your philosophy, what you think is right, what whatever, even if you feel like it's right, you have to first have a, a sense of what who it is that you're talking to. You have to know the audience. And even if the audience is just one person, it's it behoo it's it behooves the person who is trying to share to figure out who it is that they're sharing with and how best to share what they want to share with that person. Because if not, then you are kind of proselytizing actually. And your message is going to fall on deaf ears. The person has to give agreeance. But you, you know? never say it. <laughs> you have to say it sometimes. You, you do have you to say I it. I have this subtle little, this is cool between yeah, us. But I don't there, mind it. There's but, a so I wouldn't go in if I had like my Roman Catholic lady with a sore shoulder. I'm not going to tell her that she needs to break out of society. Right. No, I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> but like, in a lot of situations, if we're going to get honest about like psycho-spiritual development, that ends up being one of the most important things you can say to somebody. Uh, I'm I'm sure, but but it has to has to come from somebody. It has to come from somebody who's done it or who is actively doing it, uh -huh. right? And the person has to be interested in what you're at and in, what you're sharing. If they're not, then then there's no point in talking about that because that that's not going to have meaning for them in their life. It'd be better for them to eat healthy first. Do you know what I'm saying? But even that would be breaking away from the shit that you're supposed to eat in this culture. For sure, yeah. I mean, but there's, but I'm saying is that there's, 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 there's a levels approach to it, right? That yeah. like, if you want, like, you know, we have patients, and a lot of them, their work is killing them, literally killing them. Yeah. So you have to get out, <laughs> right? And and I will tell you that like I have I have given this kind of advice to people, even though I could totally see that it's detrimental for their physical and mental well being. And you know what they say? Bye-bye. And they don't return. So now the me being probably the only person who is going to give them this kind of information, they cut me off because I poked their ego too soon. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't oh, connect is, to their heart. I don't disagree with you. This is a transference issue. This is a psychological issue. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you have to, you know, essentially we've been talking about the ego this year, all year long. That's what this is. You know, like you're just, you you have to understand what are the where are the defenses you know where are the little laser beams and the landmines and the barking dogs and the guys up in the towers shining flashlights in the middle of the night you know where are they at and you got to work around that shit but then once you get inside hey, the gate it doesn't just come from like your personal psychological trauma no it comes from the emotional plague <laughs> yeah yep it comes right. from the emotional plague and it comes from conditioning you know either from psychological trauma or from the emotional plague mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyways. I know, uh, I thought this was a fun subject for us because yeah. I know there's this little nuance 
you and I agree on so many things. There's this little nuance of emphasis, and neither one of us is going to the other one have the last word on this, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Daniel. Love you too, brother. It's all good. Well, Eric, as always, as always thank you so much for providing, uh, you know. But we, I think in the end, before we do that, in the end, we basically agree. It's just an emphasis of emphasis. Yeah. That's really what it is. We don't disagree, really. It's just an emphasis. No, of it's a how-to. It's a, it's just which side which side we want to emphasize at different, some different point in the conversation. Yeah. All yeah. right. Good times. All right. I knew always, this would be the way it is, and I think it's great. So good. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not getting changed. So you know. oh, no, this is exactly how we <laughs> think. People know my editing skills are not very high. So this is it. <laughs> no, but I know. Like, this is how we think. Yeah. I was like, the minute something like this comes up, I know, like, this is going to be Daniel's thought because we've been doing this for three years and we know each other. Yeah. But anyways. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, as always, thank you, my friend. Thank you. Um, to our audience, thank you so much. You know, I, I definitely appreciate feedback from people, whether you, you know, hit me up on a regular basis or once in a while, or you never have before. Um, we do, we do appreciate it. You know, it kind of, I mean, we don't need to be continually motivated as you've been hearing. We are, we're plenty motivated, but it is nice to get, you know, people's thoughts on stuff and, and, and how, you know, like what we might be saying or sharing is affecting them like that. That has a different kind of like, feeling you know at least, you know for us on the inside it, it is quite nice so uh if you're interested feel free to hit us up at gin and tantra at gmail.com you can leave a comment in the youtube link or you can leave a you know hit eric up on instagram uh in the dms at gin and tantra um or you can find us on you know or me in particular i'm a little bit more active on facebook than eric and when i say a little bit more active i mean slightly like i you know i look at it once in a while so um <laughs> Yeah. Like slightly more active. Other than that, that's about it. Uh, but if you find what we do interesting, you know, please feel free to share. And uh, yeah, we'll catch everybody in the next one. Until then, peace. to get together.